Hey, and welcome back to Grace Talks, a Christian's women's podcast that studies the Bible, the women in it, and applies it to our lives today. I'm so excited to talk about a topic that's really close to my heart and has been a big part of my journey with Christ, one that I didn't grasp until the past couple of years, until I could look back and see everything that God has done for me and all the ways that he was waiting to be able to work in my life. For this month's devotional, we're going to be talking about God as our provider. As I wrote an outline for this episode, the amount of passages and verses that I wanted to include, like pages of scripture. And you know what? I did. I believe that our best teacher is straight from the word of God. And as we tell the kids that I volunteer with at church, the word of God is powerful. I don't want to do it injustice by paraphrasing too much. So you're going to be hearing a lot of scripture today from all over the Bible. And I hope your hearts are prepared for the peace and the joy coming your way. In fact, maybe pause this for a moment to pray for God to soften your heart, open your eyes and ears, and prepare you to receive what he has for you today. And while you're at it, send a prayer my way that the words that I speak on this platform are true and spirit-led. All right, you ready? Let's do this. This probably won't come as a surprise to you. But mental illnesses like anxiety and depression, it's a super common thing. In fact, anxiety is the most common mental disorder in the U.S., affecting around 40 million adults, according to the ADAA. And that number is trending upwards because that statistic is from 2020. So post-pandemic, it rises a little bit. And that's also been seen in the case of depression. New research from the Boston University School of Public Health shows that the elevated rate of depression has persisted through 2021 and even worsened, climbing to about 32.8%, which is affecting about one in every three American adults. And also fun fact for us, women are nearly twice as likely as men to have depression. And that isn't even taking into account momentary anxiety or a couple days of feeling sad or stressing over a current problem that you have. You know, changing jobs, maybe you're switching your major in college, failing a class, not going to make rent this month, debt, missing someone you haven't seen in a while, lonely because you're single, maybe it's marriage problems, struggling with infertility, can't find a house, lost something you've looked everywhere and you need it right now, missed too many things on your plate, and there's just no way you're going to get it all done, family drama, I could go on. But the source of worry isn't our focus. The thing is, worry and fear and feeling hopeless aren't new. I mean, if you've ever read the Psalms that David wrote, that man knew a thing or two about the highs and the lows. But God was out here calling him a man after his own heart. And even though he was a human man with flaws and all of that, David from his youth praised God first and trusted him to bring the victory, to provide a way out, even when David was afraid or deeply sorrowed. And for so many years, while David constantly feared for his life, he counted on God to protect him and provide him with what he needed. And he did. And that doesn't mean that everything was easy for him. Like I said, he was on the run from his father-in-law for like 13 years. But David knew with whom the final victory was. So let me be the first to tell you that it does not come naturally for me to depend on someone, someone else. If you've ever worked on a group project with me in college, I don't know whether to say I'm sorry or you're welcome. I would take on as much as possible. I would push my ideas and I'd fine tune our presentations by myself because 
I didn't want to depend on the other people in the group to get us an A. And we would get an A, but I would be carrying completely unnecessary resentment about it. And I was usually feeling burnt out by the class because I was carrying a load of responsibility that should have been something that I shared. Now, I've gotten better about this, but it still isn't natural. And that's because with other people, I worry about giving someone else a burden to carry, or I'll be embarrassed that I can't do it myself, or I'm worried that they won't do it like I would do it. And that's a pride thing and something that I pray about getting refined in me a lot. But, you know, we do this on more than just work assignments or with school projects. We do this with our partners. We do this with our family and our friends. We do this with God. We carry around worry and fear or shame and doubt or grief that we aren't meant to shoulder alone. One of my favorite passages is titled, Do Not Worry, and it's in Matthew 6, 25 through 34, and it reads like this. It says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. He cares about the birds and the flowers. He feeds them and he clothes them. He values you most of all his creations. Isaiah 55, 1 says, come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, Come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Jesus offers this satisfaction deeper than food when you're hungry and water when you're thirsty. He clothes us in garments of salvation and righteousness like children of a king, which we are. And the elusiveness of contentment is found in resting in what Jesus offers. You've probably heard this story before, but Jesus was once teaching a crowd of 5,000 men, and that's not including the women and the children, in a remote place, and as it grew late, his disciples encouraged him to send the people away so that they could find something for themselves to eat. Jesus looks at the disciples, and he tells them to find something for the people to eat, and the disciples are shocked. They couldn't afford to feed that many people, and they'd have to go, they're in a remote place, they have to go find it and carry it all back to somehow feed five people? They're 12, there's 12 of them. <laughs> and so it's impossible, right? But Jesus asks them how many loaves that they have among themselves. He tells them, go and see. And so they come back, they've managed to scrounge up five loaves and two fish. And so Jesus directs people to sit down in these large groups of people. He gives thanks to God and he begins breaking the bread and the fish. It's enough to feed everyone until they are satisfied and there were ba 12 basketfuls of bread and fish left over. So yeah, this is a story that you've probably heard before that's showing that Jesus can provide for our physical needs. 
And he can, he's done it in my life. And it also shows that in Jesus's hands, what we have, even if it seems insignificant is more than enough. But recently this story has taught me even more. Jesus later during the last supper refers to himself as a bread that will be broken for us to eat. He is then crucified, resurrected, and gives each of us his Holy Spirit to live within us. Feeding the 5,000 is a miraculously acted out parable of what was to come. Jesus is the bread. He was broken so that we could each receive our portion from him in the Holy Spirit. And he can satisfy us. He is not limited. He is in abundance for those who are willing to hold out their hands and eat. And did you see that Jesus did not allow his disciples to send the people away to feed themselves? He wanted everyone to know that he could be their only source. They don't have to do it on their own. We don't have to go away from him and provide for ourselves by ourselves. We can come to him as we are hungry, thirsty, and ready for him to give us something to eat, give us something to drink. Our God is our provider, a provider for physical needs and more importantly, spiritual ones. His Holy Spirit, our bread, provides us with the fruits of the spirit as we grow closer to him. And he provides us with peace and with strength. And here's where I go a little crazy with scriptures. Philippians 4.19 says, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Deuteronomy 2.7 says, the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He has watched over your journey through this vast wilderness. These 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you and you have not lacked anything. Do you hear it? He's watched over your journey through this vast wilderness. The Lord your God has been with you as you journey through all of this. Every pain and trial, he has stood next to you. You have never been lacking in his love for you. John 7, 37 says, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Maybe you don't feel worthy to ask Jesus for help, for him to provide, to help you with something that you're going through, whether it's a big thing or you feel like it's trivial. Jesus is anyone who is thirsty. He's someone that can be approached as you are. That's who he came for. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus understands us exactly as we are. He knows our emotions and our desperation, and he has compassion on us. We can approach him with confidence to receive mercy, to find grace abounding in love and help in our times of need, and also in our times of abundance. He is our God who loves to be praised. He desires an intimate relationship with you, and he is not tired of hearing your voice. Psalm 34, 19 says the righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. First Peter 5, 10 says, and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. Many troubles you have suffered, but God delivers us. He restores us and makes us strong, 
firm and steadfast. The final victory will always be his, which means that the final victory is ours. Isaiah 40, 29 says he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. It doesn't say that he gives strength to the strong and power to the powerful, although he can, and he does do that too. But the emphasis here is on giving strength to the person who doesn't have any, on giving power that doesn't come from within yourself. In fact, 2 Corinthians 12, 10 says, that is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardship, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong because then you get to show off the strength of God. And that's way stronger than anything we can provide on our own. Proverbs 31, 25 says, she is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. Isaiah 41.10 says, so do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. What do we have to fear when our spirits are secure and in the hand of our savior? John 16.33 says, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. The joy of my life and will always be the peace that God provides. The reason I brought up anxiety and depression in the beginning is because I'm not a stranger to feelings that make you feel like you're drowning and there's no way out. But what a joy to feel the way I do now when I know what I used to feel. When I know the way that the Lord works in our lives and heals people. John 14, 27 says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus is the prince of peace and he provides it in abundance, even when everything else is just chaos or you feel like you're stuck where you wish you weren't or whatever it is that your trial is. But there is peace available to you in the midst of all of that. And finally, Romans 15, 5 says, may the God who gives you endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, which is just to say that the same God who provides all of this, all of the peace and the strength and the love and the compassion in abundance, he wants us to provide for others. May we adopt an attitude that is life giving so that we can bring glory to the one who gave his life for us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, for being a God who is abounding in everything that we need and everything that is good. Lord, I pray for everyone listening today that you place peace upon them, that you fill them with joy after they have been missing out on it for so long. God, we know that the final victory is yours. And we know that in everything that we experience in this life, we do not walk alone, but you walk with us. Thank you for being a father who cares, who chases us down when we go astray, who provides us with comfort when we are in our grief, who provides us with correction when we have gone the wrong way, who provides us with everything that we need, that we are not lacking in anything if we always have you. God, thank you for being a Lord that we can pray to, that we can approach. Jesus, thank you for being someone who approaches us, for being someone who satisfies our souls and our spirits, 
Lord, for the people right now who are overwhelmed, whose feelings are too much for them to shoulder alone. Lord, I pray that you rest with them. God, I pray that you fill them with peace, with a joy that just doesn't make sense for the situation. You are a God who promises to ride us with the things that we need. And Lord, we trust in you. We have faith that you will be faithful to your promises. Lord, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so <laughs> as for additional readings, because I had a ton more that I wanted to fit into this, got Psalm 23, Psalm 27, 1, 29, 11, 46, 1 through 3, and finally Psalm 73, 26, oh, and 107 like Psalm 107, the chapter. And then I also have Hebrews 13, five through six, Exodus 15, two, Isaiah 12, two. And then two particular interesting examples I thought of when it came to provision. Genesis 22, one through 18 is the story where God tests Abraham about sacrificing his son, Isaac. If you don't know the story, you can find it in Genesis 22. But Abraham says that to his son, when his son's like, where's the offering? He goes, the Lord will provide. And the Lord did indeed provide because Abraham obeyed him. But about 20 chapters earlier in Genesis 3.21, there's another example of provision even in the midst of disobedience. It says that the Lord provided a suitable covering. He made animal out of animal fur. He made a covering for Adam and Eve when he was kicking them out of the garden, even in the midst of disobedience, God was working and wanted better for his children. So thank you for joining in as God is teaching me new things. Feel free to reach out on social media if you have any questions about what I covered today or if you just need someone to pray for you. And remember that God loves you. I love you. You are important. You have worth and you have a purpose. I'm signing off. See you later.